0: We are holding in Melachim Aleph, Perik Zion Chapter 7. And we're really in middle of a very uh, a high point, and that is the building of the Beis HaMikdash, and really something we talked about a number of times leading up to now. Um, also, <laughs> I was embarrassed on Shabbos when I, I noticed something that I missed out last week, and that is that what we read, what we learned together last week was the Haftorah of this Shabbos in Shul was read after the uh, Kriya Saturah, because... As we mentioned, that this past Shabbos we began Parshas Truma, and this week uh, now we have Parshas Tetzaveh, and we're learning about the Mishkan. And therefore the Haftarah that we read in Shul this past Shabbos was where Shlomo Melech builds the first base of Mikdash, which is a direct extension to the mitzvah of building a Mishkan, as we pointed out. So that was actually when we were reading the Haftarah Shabbos on Shul, I said, well, that's familiar. familiar. right? We just learned that this week. So last, uh, uh, last parak, last chapter we learned together was Parak Vav, and that was where Shlomo Melech began the work of building the base of HaMikdash. And we discussed the basic idea. He built it for seven years. He started in the fourth year of his kingdom and went until the 11th year of his kingdom and built the Mishkan for seven years. In the beginning of this chapter, Perik Zayin, which we're beginning now, um, I, I think I already mentioned last week, here it talks about while, Moshe, uh, while Shlomo, Shlomo was building the Mishkan, the Beis HaMikdash, that is, I'm sorry. He also was working on his own palace, on the the, the, uh, the Beisot, the, the home, the palace for Shlomo, which was being built as well. Though, as we pointed out, the Mishkan he built in seven, the Beis HaMikdash he built in seven years, and his palace took uh, 13 years. And i say that he put greater effort in the Beis HaMikdash than in his own palace, and he's praised for that. But in the beginning of this chapter, we have a couple of psukim, where the Torah, where the uh, Navi discusses the um, the palace of Shlomo, and it was called in Pasuk Beis, Even he built as Beit Yar Halevanon. literally means the, the, the forest home. And the commentators that talk about why is it called a forest home, and according to one opinion, that was the way of the kings that they built their home in a forest, surrounded by trees. Another was that there was, another opinion is that there was so much wood there, it was built with so many beams and so much wood that it it gave an appearance of a forest. Either way, this palace was called the Beis Halavanon and the, and the Navi discusses that it mentions it was a hundred Amma, which is about 150 feet long, and 50 Amma wide, and 30 Amma tall. Um, and it was a very palatial, palatial home, very beautiful. Um, the that goes into the details in Pasa Gimel and Dalit, it talks about it was made of all types of cedar wood, um, which were in a very uh, orderly fashion, and actually a lot of it was uh, was on top of beams. The house was built supported by beams. Um, and there was different rows of windows, and different parts of the home had different windows. Everything was squared, everything was tremendously ornate. Again, we discussed this in the past, where was HaMalach was a tremendous king, fabulously wealthy, and didn't spare anything when he came to building Bais HaMikdash and his own home. Um, in Pasig Vav, it talks about a great ulam, um, or like a uh, a balcony that was in front of the home, and there was an ad- additional 50 amas. Um, in Pasek Zion, he talks about the part of the home that was for judgment, where he had his, his throne, and where he judged. He had a Sanhedrin there as well. Um, and then in Pasek he talks about an additional part of the home, um, which was also made in a way of, in a form of a balcony. And he made there a home also for the daughter of Paro, um, someone who, who um, Shlomo Malach married. We didn't really talk to her, uh, talk about her yet. We're going to get to that afterward. But that was one of uh, one of wives was a daughter from Paro's kingdom. Um, although I think we mentioned it in passing, and there so there was a room and a place for her as well. And all of these were very ornate stones, as the pasuk says in pasuk tests. They were uh, valuable stones, and they were hewn out in, in in very perfect ways. And everything was adorned with diamonds and with with uh, with brilliance. Um, and pasuk Yod, and if I'm going through this quickly. Avonim uh, yikaros. Um, this precious stones, gazis which were which, which were ornaments for the for the uh, for the wood, the cedar wood, and then you have a big chutzer hagdola saviv, a big um, courtyard in front of it, and again created with three rows of different types of wood, um, and then and uh, and it was done. The types of wood was the same type of wood that was used for the chutzer for the courtyard of the beis as well. And that's just a, a very quick uh, rendering reading of these first 12 psukim of the chapter that go through the dimensions and the basic beauty of this palace that Shlomo Melech was building while he was building the Mishkan and which extended beyond building the Mishkan. That's the first 12 psukim of the chapter. Okay. Pasik Yud Gimel. Shlomo Melech sends and he brings a person named Hiram from Tzor. And this Hiram is a tremendous craftsman. So although Shlomo Ha'alach is still building the Besamikdash and building his home, so it seems at some point in the middle he needed a new craftsman. And there's a different question of why, if the initial craftsman um, died. Again, the Mefarshim talk about that. In the Pasuk it doesn't say, it just says he called for this craftsman. And it says in Yudalid, he was a son of a woman who was an Almana. she was a widow, from the tribe of Naphtali. And so, according to one, uh, I saw one of the Mepharshim says that actually the one who was building the tillis point was the craftsman's father. And he had died, so now he sent for the son to come from Khiram, and that's why the mother is an Almana, because the father, who was the initial craftsman, died. I think the Malban points that out. It says that the father was a tremendous craftsman, and he was filled with Chachma, with Tevuna and Das. We typically call it Chachma, Bina and Das, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to do all types of work with copper. And he came to the King Shlomo, and he did all his work. Interesting, the Gemara says that he came from the tribe of Naphtali, but his mother was from the tribe of Dun. Why is the tribe of Dun important over here? Because if we come back to the parshas that we're doing these weeks in Chumash, so the one who built the Mishkan, Mishkan you had Bitzalel, together with Ahaliyav ben Achisamach of Dun. So the Gemara says that this craftsman was a grandson of this ahaliah who constructed, who built the Mishkan. So Ahliyev, who is from the tribe of Don, was involved in building the Mishkan. I'm sorry, there's someone waiting in the waiting room here? What's going on? Yeah. Okay. So this uh, this craftsman the Shlevim it brings now also comes from the tribe of Don. He comes from Ahliyev, who was involved in crafting and building the Mishkan. Okay. Pasik Tesvav tells us about a very, uh, another very interesting thing that was built for the Beis HaMikdash. And this is unique to the Beis HaMikdash that was not in the Mishkan. And there was two very, very um, beautiful, tall pillars that were at the front entrance, that surrounded the two sides of the front entrance of the Beis HaMikdash. And they're described in detail over here in the next Pesukim. Um, in HaAmudim Tesvav, that he formed the two pillars of copper, which were 18 Amas tall. 18 Amas tall. We're talking about... Um, I'm sorry. S- someone You're not hearing me? Am I being heard? I am. Because I have a message here. Do you have an external speaker that's not plugged in? Oh, that was before. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, I'm just seeing it now. Um, thank you. So um, he builds these two, again, very... Sta- we're talking about uh, pillars that are some... 40 feet tall and they were the two pillars that you entered the base of going through them and they were surrounded by ornate uh, strings of, of decoration and both and they had two like crowns crowns that were built on top of the on top of these two uh, pillars um, and the t- crowns also were made out of copper but also then decorated with all different types of decoration as the Pusik talks about in the ensuing psukim, tazayin, yudzayin um, yudches, that they were surrounded again ornately with different designs on top there was um, rimonim which are like pomegranates uh, carved up pomegranates that were made on the top of these two amudim um, and they were like, again, they were crowns and they were engraved and again, the, the passage really goes in, in detail. But again, throughout the Yuches and Yutes and Chaf are all describing the beauty of these Amudim of these two, um, the entranceway that were to be the entranceway of the Beis Mikdash. And it says in Chafalif he says very interesting. What were they? They had a name. They were called by names. These two Amudim, he said, the right one he called Yachin, and the left one he called Boaz. The Pasuk doesn't say what's the significance of those names, Yachin and Boaz. But Rashi says, and the Mepharshim say, that Yachin means something that's founded, and that Hashem should make that this should be an eternal um, edifice, something that's well, uh, it's well, Muchan, it's founded well. And Boaz stands for the words, Boaz, that here is our strength. So the Baisa Mikdash is the strength of the Jewish people. And therefore he called the two Amudim, the, 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 these two pillars that were the entranceway to the Baisa Mikdash, they were called Yachin or Boaz, um and they were really uh, be- to beautify the already beautiful Beis hamikdash um, interestingly in Mishnayis and if you open a regular Mishnayis with Mep- that has commentaries there's a commentary on the bottom of the Mishnah on the bottom of the page of Mishnah called Yachin and Boaz it's a two part commentary the Yachin and the Boaz which are named after these two pillars that were the entranceway to the Beis hamikdash and the Pasachah Beis they put the crowns onto these two um pillars and this was the end of that work that it seems a very, very ornate work that was done with the amudim, with the pillars, that served as the entranceway to the Beis HaMikdash. Now this is something that's unique to the Beis HaMikdash that was not in the Mishkan at all. Right? We've discussed the Beis HaMikdash on the one hand is really an extension of the Mishkan, but on the other hand the Beis HaMikdash had a lot of uh, new um, kailin new vessels or, or new, uh, new uh, parts of the edifice that you didn't have in the Mishkan and this is something that was uniquely new in the Chumash that we're learning these days we would have nothing about pillars um, that, uh, that are the entrance of the Mishkan this was one of the unique things of the Besamikdash which brings us to the next unique thing that was built that also was not in the Mishkan at all and that's in Pasikhov Gimel and he created Vayas Eshayom he created a pool and there's a very interesting and fascinating pool that was used as a mikvah for the Kohanim. And that was in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. Obviously there was, there was partitions, but this itself was a magnificent structure. And the Pasuk talks about in the next number of Sukim. It says, Vayas as he made, he calls it the sea. But it was really a, a big pool of water. And it was 10 cubits long. So that's about 15 feet, but perfectly circular. was a big circular vessel that if you went all the way the circumference all the way around was 30 amos which is about 45 feet round so about 45 feet round 10 uh, or 15 feet was from you know wall to wall if you go straight if you go all the way around it's about 45 feet um and that was made it was perfectly round it was five amos or about seven and a half eight feet tall and again it was a 30 30 uh, circumference And on the bottom, again, all different types of different um, uh, ornaments and designs. But most fascinating is that it stood on a pedestal that was made up of statues of 12 oxen. So you have this this magnificent, very large structure. It was like a little house. And you have these 12 oxen. And there are three oxen are facing east, and three are facing west, and three are facing south, and three are facing north. And on top of them is this pool of water. Um, and as the Chazal tell us in the Gemara, that there was a very intricate pipe system that was connecting the water in this pool, because if the Kohanim are going to use this as a mikveh, so that water can't just be water that's drawn and put into a to a basin, it has to be connected, you know, connected into the ground. So this uh, through these axen you had a whole plumbing system where the water in the pool was connected, actually, to a stream that was underground. Um, so, again, a very, very intricate system that was built, and that was the Yam. It's called, it's called Yam Shel Shlomo. It's called the pool of water that Shlomo created. And it, again, interestingly, there are svarim, very important Spharim, that are called Yam Shel Shlomo. The great Marshal of Shlomo Luria lived some 400 years ago, wrote a commentary to the Talmud, called it Yam Slomo Shlomo, um, re- representing. This pool that's created and described over here in the Navi, that Shlomo Melech made, again, as a mikvah to be used by the Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash. Um, in Hasidus, there's a lot of discussion about this Yam shloma, what it represented. Um, and now is not the time to go into it, but you know, everything in the Beis HaMikdash had so much mystical meaning to it as well. And uh, Hasidus talks about the 12 oxen, and that refers to the world of Bria, and that connects to the 12 shvatim. And the Yam is Malchus of atzilus, which is above the accent. There's a, there's a lot of mystical ideas that these different um, creations of the Beis Miktash represented that, of course, the Tanakh doesn't talk about, but in Kabbalah and Hasidus is, is explained as well. But that's another unique um, creation for the Beis Miktash that you didn't have anything like that in the Mishkan at all. Okay, another idea, which is in the, the next few sukim. Uh, Pasuk Khavzain he goes off into another very interesting creation that was made there. And there were, the Pasuk calls them the Mechonos. Uh, I don't know the English translation for the Machonos. They were um, they were like big vessels on wheels in which large basins of water were placed. And uh, we know in the Mishkan, in the Mishkan there was the Kior. The Kior was the wash basin where the Kohanim who would come to do the Avodah would wash their hands in the wash basin, which was the Kior. So in the Mishkan, there was one Kior, there was one wash basin. In the Beis HaMikdash, we'll see there was ten. There was ten very large wash basins that were there again for the express Avodah of the Kohanim, who were, uh, for, for them to wash their hands and feet before they did the Avodah. But these ten wash basins were placed in very interesting and very sophisticated vessels that were used to bring them in and bring them out. And these vessels had wheels. And the pastor talks about them. Talks about the wheels and talks about how they were created on their top and their bottom. And again, it's it's, it's treated at length. It starts in verse Chavzayin 27, and it really goes for probably 10 psukim, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, and 37. So we're talking about ten psukim or eleven psukim that describe how these, how the um, the vessels within which the wash basins were put, how they were created, and the wheels that they were made in the tops, and the bottom, and the way that they were again designed, and the uh, different engravings that was in them. Again, all the Torah goes into tremendous detail. And we talked about this last week, just like the Mishkan, the Torah goes into the tremendous detail, similar to the building of the Besam Mikdash. Um, this is the Bayis laHashem, and so much effort was put to make it perfect, and this is um, as the way the Navi describes it. But again, I'm not going to go into the details of the actual building of it, but it's all there in those 11 psukim from 27 through 37. Pasik 38 talks about the Kiyoros. Those wash basins, as I just said, these vessels that were made for the wash basins to be put into them. But then in 38, we have the wash basins themselves. He makes 10 wash basins. Each one is very large. It carries, uh, you know, large amounts of water. It says, Arbaim Bas. Interesting, we know a mikvah is connected also with 40. 40 Sa'a. Here he says, Arbaim Bas. Bas is a measurement of water. Um, I don't know if it's a so or less than a Sa'a, but it's connect- Interestingly, here too, it's connected with a number of 40. And each one of these kiyotos, each one of these wash basins goes into, that, into, the, um, into the vessel. The mechona that was made for it, the vessel was made for it, and he says five were put on the right side of the of the um, of the chutzur, and five were on the left side of the chutzer, and then you had the yam, the sea. that Shlomo made was in the back, um, and this is how this is how the Beis I mean, Hamikdash is being set up. So all this is the outer chamber, right? Of course, we have we talked last time we had the ulam. I'm sorry if I'm going a little bit quickly here, but we have the ulam, which is the first um, entranceway. Then you have the um, outer chamber of the Hechel, I'm sorry, I take that back. Um, outside of the ulam, you have the outside of the ulam. You have these kiyoros. You have these wash basins. You have the big mizbeach outside, which he doesn't discuss here at all. Then, when you come in, you have the menorah, and you have the small, the small mizbeach, and you have the shulchan, and then further you have the Dvir, which was the holy of holies, where the Aaron is. So the passage continues that Chiram, who's the one who's in charge of all this work. He makes these kiyoros and the yaim, and the, now it talks about the different vessels for the mizbeches that Hiram is involved in forming and making. Vayichal Hiram. Chir- Hiram finishes. Lassos as kolam melacha to do all of the work that he did for the Melach Shlomo, base Hashem for the house of Hashem, as he was commanded to do, working for the king Shlomo. It talks and pasuk again talks about the amudim Shnaim, those two, those two pillars that we talked about, and the crowns on top of the pillars. And the rimonium, the, pome- the the or- the ornament, the or- ornate pomegranates on top of those, of those, um, of those beams. He says there's 400 such pomegranates. And the mechonos, which is the vessels for the wash basins, and the wash basins, and the yum, which was that big pool or that big mikvah, ves bakar and those those 12 oxen that were holding the mikvah. And the different vessels used for the mizbeach, the different shovels and pails that was used, and all of the kalim, all of the vessels that Chira made for Shlomo was made with um, for the house of Hashem, which was made with clean copper, and they were all formed in in the ground, in, in, in the place. He says between Sukkos and Sarson, there were different places around Jerusalem, and Shlomo. All of these vessels were brought to Shlomo, and he says these were, they were there were a tremendous amount of them. Me'rov ma'od ma'od. There's a tremendous amount of these vessels made for the Beis HaMiktosh. One could not even imagine or one couldn't weigh how much nechoshes, how much copper was used for all this. Vaya pasik Memchas, pasik 48, Vaya Shlomo, Kala Kalim, Asher Beis HaShem. Shlomo made all of the kelim, all the vessels, for the house of HaShem. Es Mizbach Hazov, he made the, the internal altar, what's called the Mizbeach Hazov, the golden Mizbeach. Ves you have the um, the shulchan, which was the table, in which we we would have the lechem upon him every Shabbos, we would put the twelve showbreads, and that was made out of gold. Ve'as menoros and then it says he made the menoros. And here we have another very fascinating difference between the Beit and the Mishkan, which is in the Mishkan we had one menorah. Here it says that there was ten menoros. Pasik memtes, ve'as hamenoros chamesh mi'imin, Five menorahs on the right side, five menorahs on the left side, all in front of the Kodesh, in front of the Dvir, which is the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Okay, Um, one moment. So, it's interesting that we have a lot, everything that's done here is so much more than in the Mishkan. So much bigger. The actual building is much bigger. Uh, The Mishkan we said had one Kior, now we have ten Kiors. The Mishkan had one menorah. Now we have ten menorahs. All this is—it's a, a much more grand scale. So the base Mikdash, aside from being permanent, is something that's that's much more grand. Um, and again, there's a lot of rem as a lot of things that are being alluded to. I'll give you one nice idea that I saw in a meforsh. It says that the, in the Mishkan they had one menorah. The menorah had seven—had seven—seven um, what do they call the uh, sticks? The seven, seven candlesticks. So it says when we had the Mishkan is when we came into Eretz Yisrael and then we, we were um, we had conquered a land of seven nations and the menorah is made up of seven candle of seven, seven uh, branches that is seven branches. Shlomo Melech is a king over much more than seven nations. Shlomo Melech is already an accepted king in the world and now he's connecting with all the seventy nations. So ten menorahs are seventy branches. That's what I saw in one of the mafarshim. One menorah is the seven branches. That's for the seven nations of Israel. Seventy menorahs. Um, refers to all of the nations of the world. Okay. Um, I see some questions that are being typed over here. One is, why was copper the metal used? Why was copper the primary metal used? Because we did use uh, gold. and uh, we, we used gold as well. Um, but copper is the primary metal in the base HaMikdash. That's a good question. I don't have an answer to that. Um, at least not offhand. Um it's, what, what is, what's what's uh, also interesting is that silver you don't find at all in the Besamikdash um, in the Mishkan we found Zahav, Kesef and Nechoshes, gold silver and copper in the Besamikdash we find gold and we find copper we don't find silver um, it's, it's written that Shlomo's, Shlomo's time was a time of wealth so, so whatever before was silver now went up to gold, didn't need, didn't need silver but copper nevertheless is still something that's very much used um, and I don't have an answer to what's the significance of that, of the usage of copper specifically. Um, again, if it's something that I will find an answer to, I will share it here. Um, someone else is asking, what happened to the vessels from the Mishkan? So the vessels of the Mishkan with the Mishkan itself, because you have the walls of the Mishkan itself, so Chazal tell us, are all hidden in the tunnels under the Temple Mount. You know, under the Temple Mount, there are mechilos, there are tunnels. And we're told that the Mishkan itself, whatever of the Mishkan was not used in the Beis Miktash, was hidden in those tunnels under the Temple Mount, the walls of the Mishkan, and whatever vessels were not used in the Beis Miktash. So I believe that's the answer to that question. Okay, um, so we have over here Memtes, and Nun is just making like a sum- summary of all the kalim, of all the vessels. And then we have the last verse of the chapter, all of the work, all of the work and all of the craftsmanship was finished. The Shlomo melech made for the house of Hashem. Shlomo took the whatever David his father had consecrated, silver, gold, and vessels and he put them in the treasure houses of Hashem. Um, interestingly, there's a few, a few different pirushim, a few different, comment, uh, ka, uh, ka, uh, a few different interpretations to this passage. A similar interpretation is, we know that David HaMelech prepared a tremendous amount for the Beis Mikdash. So Shlomo used whatever his father used, whatever his father had put aside, he used for the Beis Mikdash, and whatever was left, he put into the storage houses of Hashem. That's a simple pshat, according to Meforshim. But other Mepharshim say, based on the Gemara, that really most of what David HaMalach prepared was not used. And therefore Shlomo HaMalach put it away for the future. And why not? Why what, why, um, what David HaMalach made was not used? And there's different explanations given. I'll just run through it very quickly. One explanation is that what David HaMalach had amassed, a lot of it was spoils of war. Right? We know that David HaMalach, as we know, waged all those battles so um, the, uh, the wealth that he had amassed was spoils of war. And therefore, A, they couldn't really be used for the Beis Amikdash because Beis Amikdash is a place of shalom. stands for peace and not for war for the very same reason that David Amalekh couldn't build the Beis Amikdash. So even the, the, the gold or the copper that he had prepared wasn't able to be used for the actual Beis Amikdash. That's one shot. Another idea mentioned is that being that he had amassed that wealth from other nations and, and it was known Through Ruach HaKodesh said the Beis HaMikdash would ultimately be destroyed. So the fear was that if they use the gold and silver from other nations and then later the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, the nations will say, well, our gods destroyed the Beis HaMikdash in order to bring the gold and silver back to us. And it's because of that that they didn't want to use the gold and silver that came from other nations in the Beis HaMikdash. One more explanation I saw is because if we remember, in the time of Daven there was a hunger. Uh, For a number of years, there was a hunger. There's actually two hungers that we learned about. And it was, uh, it was a, it was a, um, it was, David was criticized for the fact that the gold and silver that he had put away for the Beis Hamikdash he didn't use to help the hunger. Because instead of taking it out and selling it and buying bread and and water for whoever needs, that was put away for the Beis Mikdash. So being that this gold and silver was, so to speak, at the expense of human life, because people were hungering, and that was hidden away in the storage house, therefore Hashem indicated, told Shlomo, that I don't want this used in the Beis Mikdash. These are just different explanations in this pasuk. Why after the whole building of the base of it says the gold and silver the David put put away was put in the storage houses of Hashem, indicating again that they weren't used for one of the reasons that we mentioned here. Okay, let's do Perikhes. Perikhes is actually a magnificently beautiful Perik, and it's really the tefillah of Shlomo Hamelach after the base of is built. Very powerful tefillah, and we use this. We use different parts of it in the tefillahs that we that we say in our davening, as we'll see. And I want to go through that again. Periches is the tefillah. Let's read. <clears throat> Oz yakel shlomo Yisrael. Then, the base HaMikdash is built, the first base HaMikdash, Shlomo Melech built, spent seven years building it. He gathers now all the zikne Israel, all the elders of the Jewish people. It's called Roshi Matos, Nisi Ha'avos, the heads of the families, the heads of the tribes. El Amalek Shlomo Yerushalayim. Everyone is gathered to come to the King Shlomo on Yerushalayim. Lahalos bris Hashem, to bring the Aron into the Beis Amikdash. Right? We'll recall the center of the Beis Amikdash is always the Aron. The Aron is the Ark in which we have the Luchos that Hashem gave us at Harsinai. It's when Hashem made us a Klal Yisrael. And the Aron is the centerpiece and the most the holiest part of the Beis hamikdash. I think I mentioned last week as well that when the Hashem gives us the mitzvah of making a Mishkan and Pashas Truma, the first vessel he discusses is the Aron. Because as Ramban says, the Beis hamikdash and the Mishkan is all about the divine presence with the Jewish people, and that is first and foremost in and through the Aron. So Shlomo gathers everyone for the ceremony, the celebration of bringing the Aron into the Kodesh hakodashim. The Aron, meantime, is in what's called Ir David, right? It was brought to David HaMalach. We learned this together earlier. So David HaMalach had it in a, in a tent, but it wasn't in a Mishkan. It wasn't in the Be'is HaMikdash. All the Jewish people gathered to Shlomo, in the month of Isanim, that's the month of Tishrei. Right? As we learn through Navi, we learn different names for the months. We had discussed the month of Ziv, is Iyar, e Bul Bull, is Cheshvan. Esonim is the month of Tishrei. Esonim is the month of our strength. It also alludes to the Avos who were born in Tishrei. So Tishrei is the month of Esonim. And everyone came for the Chag, for Sukkis, of the seventh month, which is Tishrei. All the elders of the Jewish people came. All the Koenim carried the Oren. The Koenim carried the Oren. The Koenim carried the they, the kohanim picked up the aron and whatever there was from the Mishkan, and all the vessels, and the kohanim and the Levine, brought them to the Besam Mikdash. And the King shloimeh and all of the Jewish people that were with him, that were with him at that time, um, are before the sacrifice they were sacrificing sheep and oxen, which couldn't be counted. saw the amount of karbanos of of the festive carbonos that were brought at that time. The kohanim brought the aron bris hashem, the aron of Hashem's covenant, el makomo to its place, el dvir habayis. We talked, we said last week, the dvir is the kodesh hakadoshim. El tachas kanfei akruvim under the wings of the kruvim. Right, last last week we learned about the kruvim, the special kruvim of the beis that were full statues of, of humans that were ten amos tall. Um, and with, with the spread out wings and the Aron was brought and put in that area under the spread out wings of the of The, um, the sticks we know that the Aron had the Badeha Aron that was the sticks on the side or the, the poles on the side of the Aron were in the Aron, there's a mystery, they should always be in the Aron and they took the entire area of the Kodesh HaKadashim, um, and they, they went from wall to wall of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. In fact, from outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, you saw the indentation of the sticks against the wall of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Pasek says in Pasek Tess Ein ba'aron. There wasn't in the aron rock only shne luchos avonin. The two tablets of stone Asheriniach Moshe Bechoriv that Moshe put there In Choriv, which is by Harsinai Hashem, When Hashem made the covenant with the Jewish people when He took us out of Mitzrayim Um, It's interesting, so we read here that it was only the luchos in the Aron. In the Gemara there's a discussion that there also was the shivrei luchos, the broken luchos. We we got two luchos from Hashem. We have the the first set of luchos which were broken, but we had had the parts, the broken parts we had. And then there was the second luchos. So the second luchos, our complete luchos were in the Aron, but also the shivrei luchos, the broken luchos were also there. And also a Sefer Torah. One Torah scroll was also in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Um, in the Gemara there's a debate if all three, the luchos and the broken luchos and the Sefer Torah were all in the Aaron or only the full, complete luchos were in the Aaron and there was a um, like a little shelf going out of the Aron on which there was the Sefer Torah and the broken luchos. That's two opinions in the Gemara derived from different verses. Um, either way, all three were there in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. The complete luchos, the broken luchos, and a safer Torah. Pasuk Yud Vayihi B'tzeis Hakohenim Na Kodesh. When the Kohanim left the Holy of Holies, VeHaAnan Molei Es Beis Hashem, a cloud comes forth and fills the house of Hashem. And so at that point they know that the divine presence has come, that they have fulfilled their mission of creating the mikdash for Hashem. The Quran Could not stand there anymore. They couldn't do anything. because of that cloud that descended, Kimale, as base Hashem. The glory of Hashem filled the home of Hashem. The only other place we have this concept is in Chumash, right after the Mishkan was built, the same concept. In the very end of Chumash Shemos, we have that they finished the entire Mishkan, and again, the Anan Hashem, the cloud that represents the divine glory, descended in the Mishkan, and here the same thing happens 480 years later, when the Beis HaMikdash is built. Um, I want to stop for a moment. Um, I don't think I mentioned it last week, and that is, we talked about the fact that it's, from the time the Jewish people came into Eretz until, until Shlemy builds the Beis HaMikdash, 440 years. right? 4, 480 from Matan Torah and 440 from when they came into Israel. Why did they wait so long? Well, I mean, why did they wait 440 years before they, they built the Beis HaMikdash? They were already in Israel. What was holding them back? And it's a, it's a long answer, but the, the, short, the short answer to that is that the mitzvah of building the Beis HaMikdash is conditional on two mitzvahs that have to precede it. There's an order of three mitzvahs that go together. One is to have a king. And the next is that the king should vanquish the enemies of the Jewish people, specifically Amalek, and and then to build a Beis HaMikdash. Those three mitzvahs, the Gemara says, go together. Because You can't go to step three before step two, and step two before step one. There's a Seder. So you have to have a Melech, and the Melech then has to wage the battles of Hashem. Again, and specifically, the ultimate battle is always against Amalek, and then a Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, it's until this point that they really couldn't have a Beis HaMikdash. Because the first real Melech First there was the Nevim, it wasn't yet the time for the Malachim. The first Malach we know was David. I'm sorry, the first Malach was Sheol. And But when Sheol started the wars against Hashem, he wasn't successful. He didn't wipe out a Malach. Then he had David. And David successfully uh, fought the battles of Hashem. So now that we have a king and we have the battles of, of, of Hashem are behind us, so therefore we have the building of the Beis HaMikdash. And that's why it's at this point that Shleim Melach completes the mission, the mitzvah of building the first Beis HaMikdash. Okay, Pasek Yud base. Oz Omar Shloyman. Then Shlomo said, Hashem Omar Lishken Ba'Rofel. Hashem, who is who rests in this cloud that we're seeing coming down to the base of Mikdash. I've built a home for you. An eternal place for Hashem's presence. The king then turns his face and he blesses the whole Jewish nation. And all the Jewish people were standing there. And the king said, Baruch Hashem Alekei Yisrael, Blessed be Hashem, that he spoke to my father, David, and he said that from the day that I left that I took the people out of Mitzrayim, I didn't choose a city from all the Shvatim where a home should be built for me. But I chose David to be the king over Klal Yisrael. And it was the will of my father, David, to build a house for Hashem. Hashem told David, I'm just I'm going through it quickly in English. I'm holding on. Hashem told David, because you want to build a home for me, you want well. It's just that you won't build a house. it will be your son who will come forth from you that he will build a house for me. And now says Shleme, Hashem has has fulfilled his word, and I have risen. I've risen that is un, uh, instead or in the place of my father David, and I'm sitting on the throne of Claudius Yisrael, just as Hashem said, and I have built, this house for Hashem. And I put there a place for the Oren, in which we have the covenant of Hashem, that Hashem made with us when He took us out of Mitzrayim. Shlema stands up in front of the Mizbeach of Hashem, and he faces the entire Klael Yisrael, and he raised his hands heavenward. And he says, The Pasach of Gimel, Hashem aleke Yisrael, I said, Hashem, God of the Jewish people, in Kamelcha alekim, like there's, no like, there's no God like you, in the heaven above and the earth below. Hashemer, you guard the covenant and kindness for your servants who go in your ways. You guarded my father, David, as, just as you told him, and just as you promised. And that promise is being fulfilled today. And now Hashemer says, I ask you to, to guard, to watch over the kingdom of my father, David, and everything that you told him, that, he, that his, his children should always sit on the throne of Kal Yisrael, as long as they go in his ways, just like he went in your ways now Hashem let us see how your words are are, are up kept as you told my father David and then he says in Pasuk of Zion he says Cause could, is it possible that Hashem should rest on this earth referring to the Besam Mikdash after all the heavens and even the highest heavens cannot contain you how could it be that this home that I've built for you can contain continue now, I, I just want to say stop here for a moment this Pasuk has become a tremendously famous Pasuk in Hasidus. There's entire Hasidic discourses on this Pasuk. And Shlomo's question that if if the entire heavens and the heavens of the heavens can contain Hashem, how could Hashem rest in a physical home? <clears throat> and again, there's in fact I, I just in Yeshiva for the last like a month, I just taught a mimer on this Pasuk. And the, the, the idea being that no Hashem says Dafka, I'm not I'm not gonna rest in the heavens and not in the highest heavens. Dafka in this world in a physical home, that's the place I'm gonna call home. And, uh, and Shlomo returns to Hashem he says and we ask you to turn to the tefillah of your servant and the supplication to listen to the songs that we sing to you and the tefillah that we daven to you that I am davening before you today your eyes should always be open to this house to this Beis hamikdash, night and day to this, place, to this place that you say that my name shall rest there and here you will listen to the tefillah that I will daven before you on this day and you should, you should listen to this supplication of your servant and of your nation, which will daven in this place. And you should listen to your pl- where you are in heaven and you should hear our requests and you should forgive us. And he goes on, and <coughs> we're, 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 we're going to read it together with you, but he goes on, to, just a very beautiful, how he describes all the different types of tzphiloes that people could daven for. And we know the of HaMikdash is called as we say it in Davening also, yikari amin, this is the home of tefillah. And even today when we Daven, we know that we always face Eretz Yisrael because all the tefillahs ascend in the place of the Beis HaMikdash. And here Shlomo continues, Pasuk Lamed Aleph. He says, if one person sins to another person, <coughs> one person a monetary sinning, he embezzles someone with money, and he undertakes an oath, and they come stand before the as of Hashem. So you, Hashem, who knows the truth, shall listen from heaven, and you should judge, and the one who is wicked should be, re- should be punished, and the one who is righteous should be rewarded with, by you listening over here in the Beis HaMikdash. And he says in the Pasuk Gimel that there will come times that we as a nation will be smitten by other nations, will fall to our enemies because we sinned. But after that, after we sin, we want to do tshuva. So we'll daven wherever we are. So these tefillahs should be heard from this home. You should listen from the heaven. You shall forgive the sins when we ask for proper forgiveness and return us back to our land. Hey, there are times that there's going to be, that there's going to be famine. Not famine. Uh, uh, when there's no rain. What is, what's it called? When it will be a drought. And there won't be rain. And it's again, because of our sins... So we'll come and we'll daven. We'll daven from this place or we'll daven facing this place and we'll admit to our sins and we'll want to do tshuva. Va'ata tishma shamaim You should listen from heaven. You should forgive to the sins of your servants in Kal Yisrael and you show us the proper ways that we should go and bring back rain to your land that you gave as an inheritance to your nation. He goes on in Lamed There are times that there's going to be hunger in the land. Different types of hunger perhaps grasshoppers, or other things that might eat up all the, all the, all the produce. And again, we'll come in Davin. He says, tfila, lameches, kal tfila, kal any type of prayer, any type of supplication that a person might have for anyone in your nation, call Yisrael, that everyone knows their own sins, each one their personal tfilas that they're asking for and their personal um, forgiveness that they're asking. And they'll raise their, their hands towards this home, and Therefore I ask you today that you should listen from heaven and the place where you rest and bring us, slicha, bring us atonement and give and give for every person according to his ways and what he knows in his heart he needs because you know the heart of men, the heart of all men in order that all the days we should fear you, all the days that we live in this world, we should have that year of session so he's going through all the needs of man that will be and saying that always all tefillah is always going to be from this home and then it continues and says, And also for Goyim, Pasik Mem Aleph, Also for Goyim, that are not from your nation, and they'll come from a distant land for the sake of your name, because they'll hear the greatness of Hashem's name and a, strong, uh, and a strong and outstretched arm, and they'll come and they'll dive into this place. Listen to them as well. Listen from heaven, through the place where you rest, and do whatever the guy asks also. So that everyone should know that this is the place and you're the Hashem of the entire world. It's interesting, the Gemara says, when it comes to the Goyim, he didn't say to judge the guy and give him according to what he deserves. When it comes to the yidden, he says, judge the person. And if the person does tshuva properly, answer his tfilah. So when it comes to the guy he says, if he comes, answer him. And he says, because because a Yid is ultimately a Maiman, a Yid believes. So even if a Yid doesn't see his tfilah answer, it'll understand. He has to do a better tshuva. He says, but a person who doesn't have a munah, if you're not going to answer him, will think, you know, immediately he'll question the whole existence of Hashem. So he says, the guy just by the fact that he came here, make sure he gets an answer one way or another. Because in a sense, he's easier on the goyid than on the yid here, And he continues, Pasik Mem Again, this is a, a lengthy, this is really the father of all tefillahs. This is when the Beis Hamikdash became the base Tefillah. So he says in Pasik when Mem your when your nation goes out to war against its enemies... And they'll daven to you facing this city that you chose, and facing this house, facing this home that you've built, that, that has been built for you. You should listen to them when they're davening in war and their supplication and do and judge them accordingly. When they sin before you, because there's no one who doesn't sin at all, so you'll, you'll punish them and they'll fall, but ultimately you'll, you'll bring them back and they'll, cut, they'll, they'll take the heart in the land that they were captured there, and they'll return to you inwardly, and they'll daven to you in the land of their captives, and they'll say, Hashem, we sinned, and they'll return with all their hearts and with all their souls, again, in, in the lands of their enemies, and they'll daven to you, again, facing this land, facing this home that you gave us, and facing this home that you have chosen, and you listen, and you listen from where you are, their tefillah, and their tchina they're dominating their supplication, and you will judge them accordingly with you'll give them forgiveness for this that they sinned against you, and to all the sins that they sinned, and you'll give them the racham, you will give them mercy, even in their goles, even in the place of their captivity. because ultimately they're always your nation, and they're always your inheritance, they're the ones you took out of Mitzrayim. Your eyes will always be open to the supplication of your servants, and I'm of, of Yisrael to listen to them whenever they call out to you. B'chol kara whenever they call out to to you, because you have ultimately separated them and make it from all the nations of the earth, as you told Moshe Rabbeinu your servant when you took them out of Misraim, I am Hashem. That's the end of Shlomo Melach And Shlomo finishes and he says, Pasuk Nun Pasik fifty four. Fa Shlomo this entire tefillah, Shlomo davin his arms outstretched and he's on his knees. Shlomo, the king, is in front of Klal Yisrael, he's on his knees, his arms are outstretched and he's davening. And now at this point he stands up from in front of the Mizbeach, from bowing on his knees, and his arms are still outstretched to heaven. He stands and he blesses Klal Yisrael in a booming loud voice. And he says, Baruch Hashem. as Blessed is Hashem that has given peace to his Am Yisrael as he promised Nothing that he ever promised didn't happen. Everything that he said happened exactly as he said from Esher Rabenu, And now he says a few psukim that we say in our davening every morning, if we get to it, it's after the Shir Shalyom. To a few beautiful psukim. Ye Hashem Elokeinu, Imanu, Hashem should be with us. Kasher the way he was with our ancestors. al we should never forsake us. La'atos, a love. He should bring our hearts to him. He should bend our hearts towards him, that we should go in his ways, and guard his mitzvahs and his chukim and his mishpot in the way he has commanded us. And these words that I daven before Hashem today should be close to Hashem day and night. They should always do the judgment of his nation, Klael Yisrael, every single day, so that all of the nations of the world should know. Ke'anihu Hashem Elohim, a that there is no one but Hashem. The, our hearts should be complete with Hashem to go in his ways and follow his mitzvahs. Um, and with that he completes his tefillah. And he says, Vamelech, V'chol Yisrael my my time's up, no no let's just finish, let's try to finish the paper. It says the at this point the king and all the nation bring a tremendous amount of karbonos before Hashem, tremendous amount. Pasik Samach Gimel says they brought there's, all of Chol Yisrael was there. About one hundred and twenty thousand oxen. I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry twenty two thousand oxen and one hundred and twenty thousand sheep, and with that they dedicated the new house of Hashem. And it says there were so many sacrifices that the Mizbeach was too small. So the whole floor of the Beis HaMikdash became one big Mizbeach. It says the entire floor of the Beis HaMikdash, the whole area was used as one big Mizbeach for the sacrifices for Hashem. On that day, Shlomo sanctified the entire Beis HaMikdash and every part of it because the Mizbeach itself wasn't big enough, as the Pasuk says. And then they celebrated, it says, for 14 days straight. for A 14-day Febranian. Why? There were seven days until Sukkot, and then the seven days of Sukkot. One of the day's celebration was Yom Kippur. They didn't fast on that Yom Kippur. Shlomo said that now because of the celebration, that after, for the first time ever, that an actual house, a base on Mixtr, was built for Hashem, that was the ultimate celebration. And Shlom HaMalach Paskin, together with the Sanhedrin, that the celebration was going to be a seven-day celebration, going from the seventh of Tishrei until of Sukkot. And then they immediately went into Sukkis and celebrated for seven days of Sukkis. So the entire Chlal Yisrael is going to celebrate now for 14 days in Yerushalayim. It says, Shivas Yomim V'shivas in seven days and seven days. And on the eighth day, which is Shmini Atzeres, Shlomo Melech benched the entire Chlal Yisrael, And he says, Now everyone can return to your homes. V'agelchul La'alayim, they each returned to the entire, entire land of Israel to their tents. Smeichim V'toy V'eleiv, with tremendous simcha, with the gladness of heart, and all the goodness that Hashem did for David, his servant. And for Israel, for the Jewish, for the Jewish nation. With that, they went home. Everyone now they have the Melech. Now they have the Besamikdash And and um, and they and they go home. And that's the end of the Binyan Besamikdash and the Hanukkah Beis Amikdash, the dedication of the Besamikdash, Hamikdash that happened in that year. Again, four hundred and eighty years after Matan and we will continue from there next week. Mirza Hashem. Can I ask?